0: Welcome to another week of embarking on a beautiful journey of experiencing His nearness. As we prepare our heart, mind, and spirit to receive fresh manna this day, let our lives be filled with the truth of God's Word and may the Lord bless you to live your life in its fullness. Thank you you know our church has this amazing culture it is a culture i'll talk about it because i'm prepared for it we have a culture that you know that respects and honors and i'm so happy to see how you honor the people who are not always at the forefront you know they are whenever we spoke about different people you got up and you honored them and that is the culture that is not seen everywhere, that is that is so critical, it is so important. We need to protect it. We need to make sure that when we move out of our cozy confines and we go to a bigger space and there will be a mixing of waters, this culture does not get mixed up. Hold on to this. And I don't want to call us a small church. We are a cozy church. (laughs) Because we may be small in numbers, but the way the Lord has used us to be gatekeepers and guards to the city, God does not see us as a small church. We are the army of 300. And He is just, you know, making us bigger every day. We kept singing, no? Never believed it, did you? We are, we are a worshipping church. Yes. We don't do worship, you know. Was there 15 minutes of worship today in church? No, I'm sorry, we don't do worship in church. We worship. <laughs> and so, our we have a culture of worship that when we move to a new church and he taught us and he equipped us over the 10 years that was there because this is where we are going. Getting bigger every day. Our, our walls are expanding. We're getting better, we're getting bigger. But you know what? When uh, God had to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. You know how much time it took? 40 years. Do you know how much time it would have taken? 11 days. Have you tried walking 11 days and reaching somewhere? And then had the misfortune of waiting 40 years to reach there? because God had a plan. I'm not saying that we are we, we waited 40 years. I'm not saying that because God in his in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, in his all, you know, omniscient nature, all-knowing nature knew that if he took a bunch of slaves who were slaves for 400 years, if he took a bunch of slaves and take them to the promised land, they will remain slaves. It had to take 40 years in the desert to change them. In fact, they were so stubborn that they wanted to go back to, the, to being slaves. God said, these kind of people, if they enter the promised land, they're going to mess it up. And these kind of people in the Garden of Eden will mess up the garden. So, protect. So, what he did was he made sure that the people who were with this slave mentality, who lived as a slave and died as a slave, died in the desert. They did not enter the promised land. But, the promised land is a place where you will see grapes the size of melons. And one bunch of grapes that you buy in Shoba supermarket in a little cover, they had to carry it on poles. That's how big the fruit of that land was. That's not something that slaves can handle. It had to take the mindset of a conqueror of a warrior to say that i these fruits are grown by giants but that land that was the promised land was it's it was called you know the, the descendants of amalek used to live there and they were giants and that's why when joshua sent people to spy the land out of 12, 10 came back and said we don't think it's possible. Sorry, Moses sent uh, Joshua and uh, 11 more men. So 10 of them came back and said, it doesn't look like we can conquer that land because there are giants living there. Only Joshua and Caleb, if I'm not wrong, came back and said there are giant fruits perspective and you know the funny thing none of them went into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb that's how God weans out people that's how God raises people and I feel like our 10 years we were called for big things but we did not become big because there is a process that we were put in in this hall and this hall will always remain important for that reason. This was not our promised land. This is We are just passing by. Mm-hmm. And this hall is the one that taught us so much. And the thing is, what you learn here, don't unlearn it when you move into a bigger hall. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We have a culture. We have a culture that is... Very key for these end times. Do you know we are in the end times? We are in the last days, and there is uh, prophets across the globe. Okay, not because we are in this stream, but there are people who are getting visions and and dreams about Jesus' second coming and a falling away, a falling away, a kind of. you know, separation that is happening, where people of convenience are going to fall away, but only the ones who, um, you know, who understand what it means to hold on, to hold on to Jesus, are going to stay. And we are a church that is preparing for those times, and everybody who is going to come in is going to prepare for those times. So what we learn is essence is key. What we understand and what we believe in and what is our DNA is the key. It's so important that you have to protect it. You have to protect it. You cannot move to a bigger church and lose sight of what you learned here. Can I tell you what culture we carry as a church? To start with, I mean, we are called to be priests and kings. Our church is called to be priests and kings. You are a priest and a king. We are not going to be playing church in the new church. There will not be pastors and attendees. Okay, there will be a set of priests and kings, true to their calling, who will be the reason why the presence of God descends over this place, over this city, brings revival into the land of India. And we are the gatekeepers. We are the watchmen over the citadel. You know, back in the day there used to be towers, watchtowers, and there will be watchmen who will be guarding the post over their, you know, little time slot that they would get from 12 to 3, 3 to 6, 6 to 9, 9 to 12. Round the clock there will be people guard posted for guarding the place. Their job was to be at the highest point of that city, of the citadel, and to look out, to see if you see an enemy marching against you, an enemy army marching against you, and their job was to blow the shofar and said, I see it coming, it's not yet here, it may take days for them to come, but their job is to alert and awaken and say, get out of your comfort zones. Because I see danger coming. And before the enemy would even reach their fortress, this army has already gone out and neutralized them. And that is who we are. I am telling you the times that we have spent in prayer, we have seen things coming and it has not happened because there were prayers that were raised up here that those battles were fought in the, in the spiritual realm that you nobody could see it but we as a church could put an end to it put a stop to it could delay it and we did for things but when we move into a bigger land God is giving us a bigger area of influence and he is going to make our, you know, even the targets that we have bigger. Bigger nations have bigger enemies. But we have our God who's a banner. And so we are an army of 300, called to be priests and kings. Priests because we are the ones who are going to host God on this land. And kings because we are the ones who will decree and declare. And we are the ones who are going to make things happen. I am, not, I am not talking random stuff here. I am talking because I have seen what God has done. And the promises over this church are big. And as kings and priests, there are a few things you have to keep in mind. And that has been the culture of our church. And the first one, if I can tell you, is the culture of how you speak. Your culture of words. How do you speak when there is an adversity? How did the ten men who saw the same thing that Joshua and Caleb saw, what did they speak and what did Joshua and Caleb speak? They saw the same things, they went into the same land, they surveyed the same area, their vision was the same, but the words that came out of their mouth was different. So, it matters what you see and what you speak. We speak like kings, we decree like kings, we identify ourselves as priests and kings, We are conquerors. Your identity should be so secure, should be so strong, that tomorrow, if you know, you face a giant that looks bigger than you, you need to see that there is a God who stands behind you greater than that giant. You know the promised land? The promised land was not a promise of rest. God didn't say, oh, now that you're here, all cool, go eat fruits. No, he said, take down those giants. And then he said, don't intermarry. He said, don't mix. Because even in the promised land, you will have a set of neighbors around you who will want to come Say, ah, why don't we be at peace with each other? Come let's marry. When I say marry, not in the literal sense, I'm talking about intermingling. I am talking about a mix of culture. Yesterday a couple from I mean a couple got married, the girl was from our church. And you know how we see marriage is that they become one. Because the, the Bible says if they leave the father and the mother and they become one. Which means that every extremity that they have is going to get chiseled away and they are going to be one. But we are an extreme church. We are not a mediocre church. We are not an easy church. We have been put under so much pressure that we have come out as diamonds. Yeah. You cannot mix diamond with anything. You cannot afford to have another stream flowing through you. So be careful. You cannot intermarry you cannot mingle when i say mingle please don't make yourself hard and rugged and say i'm not going to talk to this person no what flows through you what is going to flow inside of you that should be guarded that should be that should be kept so the first one was the culture of words that you are going to speak You are going to speak as kings and priests. The second thing our church has seen from the beginning is the culture of sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. We have given and given as a church. We have given as individuals. You have given in terms of money. You have given in terms of time. You have given when you had people over at your place and you have served them. You have given in terms of hospitality. You have given when you have come and washed this place clean. You have given when you have driven people around. You have given when you have stood at the new church and you've overseen the work. It's been sacrificial. And how my parents taught me, when our spiritual parents taught me about giving was that it's not giving if it doesn't pinch you. That's our definition of giving. That may not be the world's definition of giving, that may not be what you have learned, but our culture, our our stream teaches us to give till it pinches you. And that is the kind of giving that we have practised and we have been honoured to learn, you know. Christ died to show His love and God gave His only begotten Son. He does not, you know, it, it, He does not know another language. Oh, I, I'm saying everything in passing but whatever is bomb is bomb, okay. I will not wait for you to say Amen to that, I'm just going to say it. But God is a God who does not understand another language like giving. Sacrificial giving. You know, you can give when you feel like giving and you can give when you know it's right to give. Because giving is where you're placing honour over a person. In your serving, you have been giving. So when we move to a new church and when you... Let, let not our culture get mixed up again. I'm just, I'm just going to repeat that after everything I'll say. Let our culture not get mixed up. We are the same church, just location difference. Yeah. Same church. Those lights won't do anything to our heart. There is the culture of submission and honour. There is a culture of divine submission. There are people who are appointed and overseeing our lives because they give an account to what happens in your soul when when you are submitting to them, when you are exposing yourself to your man and woman of God they give an account to how you do in your soul. They teach, they pray, they, they wage wars on your behalf. And there is, you know, there is nothing greater than this principle of submission that that we have learned, and we've had the honour of of being under a covering that is is so powerful. Our understanding has changed because of our covering. Our perspectives have changed. We are not living ordinary lives because of that covering. Can you can you just rise up to your feet and honor that covering? We have our prophet, our prophetess, Pastor Shai, Mama Tini. We are so, so grateful to have them as our overseers. We are so grateful to God. Please be seated. The, the beautiful thing about submission and honour is, like without you knowing it you are becoming like them the person you submit to you look to the most often you're becoming like them and it's such an easy game you don't have to figure out life you just have to follow in their footsteps and we've had the honor of being under a set of spiritual parents and also have Spiritual children, that's, that's something that we have seen, how our church has submission to the level where they say, "You know, there is a parent in you that I am going to I'm going to see so that my inheritance is what you carry." Yes. Inheritance is a big word.) Inheritance is something that you don't work for. Is rightfully yours. And so you are going to be sons and daughters, kings and priests, sons and daughters. Let that culture not get washed down. Let let it not get watered down. The culture of submission the culture of honour, you know? I was, I was just uh, in a women's meeting the other time, and something that was shared so beautifully was the fact that you honour when you are, um, you know, when, when you are secure in your identity, that is when you honour. Everything else is slave mentality. When you're scared of your principle, when you, are, when you keep quiet because your boss is around you, that is because of a, a fear. It's a, it's, an, it's a small element of where you don't feel like you are as powerful as them. That's not honor. You are not honoring your parents when you fear their wax. You don't honor God when you think, oh, if I do this, I might end up in hell. That's not honor. You don't fear a repercussion and say, that is honor. If I cross the red light and the police catches me, I will not, so because the police is standing there, I will not cross the red light. The ones who are secretly coughing into their helmets.
1: <laughs>
0: that's not honor. That's, you're not honoring the Indian traffic, uh, whatever codes or laws that are there. No, but, um, choosing to honour is absolutely on you, so... (laughs) No. You don't honour out of fear. And that's why, I was sharing this, that's why when you see pastor, you honour pastor, because pastor is pastor. Then you see pastor's wife. And till now, you're carrying pastor's iPad, pastor's bag, pastor's books, pastor's shoe, pastor's napkin, pastor's water. Then you see pastor's wife, you'll be like, (laughs) bag? No, no, I'm not saying do that to me. Uh, Don't, don't read it wrong, please. I like to be left alone, so. And I'm fully capable of carrying my bag, so don't worry about me. I'm just saying, then when pastor's kids come along, Hey, they're not even there, okay? Like, they're not even there in your radar. Pastors' kids are like, blips. <laughs> they do whatever they want, it's okay. Do you know, it's, a, it's, it's so relieving when pastors have to minister, but their children are taken care of. That's a big need, and, and they are taken care of. But children, no. Like, who will want to serve them, right? Then pastor's assistant comes. So you make pastor sit on that nice soft sofa. It's got rebound and all that. Pastor's assistant either gets to stand next to him or sits on a chair. And then you are running after the pastor, but the guy who is holding his Bible, you're not even looking at him. But our culture of honour teaches us. The assistant is the guy who has seen the pastor in his most intimate moments with God. And he is the guy who gets to serve him by taking him... who brought him to your church. He drove him to your church. He's the one who is holding his Bible. He is the one who is... Probably holding the napkin he squeezed his mukla into. <laughs> and the more he's served, the more he's becoming like that pastor. But you forgot to honor him. Your giving will, you know, the more you put limits to your giving, the more there will be, the, the more you're going to hold back, you know, the more you won't be able to fully give yourself to God and we are not a church that gives to receive mm. have yeah. you if you've put if you've put offering in the church so that your business can flourish like you know the motive is that your business flourishes and you come to church as long as your business is uh, down and the minute it picks up pace and you are nowhere to be seen that is not the culture we we follow here we are the ones that say when our we are like Sachin Tendulkar. When our form is the best, someone asks, "Why don't you retire now?" You know, when you are when you are in the history books, they will say, "Oh, you know, he, he retired when his form was best." He said, "That's not the time to retire. That's the time to play harder." <laughs> we should be a church where your business is best on Sundays. You shut ch- shut ch- ch- shop and come to church not because your business is going to flourish because that's the right thing to do because that's the right way to honor God that's the right way to honor that day of rest that that you have you don't give to receive but then you don't receive without giving you can write it down our culture is not that we give to receive but we don't receive without giving so coming from a place where you know, there are times when there have been people in church, not, not this church, I'm talking about back in the day, who would when, when our church's biggest need was money, they would come in with money and they will ask for favors and say you know, we want the church to run a certain way and we are the ones who are giving the biggest tithe, I hope you know that but that's when we decided that we were not on sale. We didn't know We didn't Even when we had no money, we were still kings. So those people are nowhere to be seen after that day and I'm so glad for people who've come and gone so glad for that because they came to receive, I mean they came to basically take advantage (laughs) but God in his goodness and keeping me in mind said okay, probably not such big battles, let them go and that is why we also don't Keep a track of if you're coming or not coming because that is not for our benefit that you are coming. You are coming because you are blessed. You are coming because this is the house of God that hosts the presence of God and when you come here, there is a washing away and there is a renewal that happens. The word is taught, the word is declared and you go back blessed. If you're coming because Sunday you have to go to church That's not our culture. And I pray that this culture remains in that church. In the new location. Our culture is of prayer and gatekeeping. We already spoke about that. We are a a group of watchmen in the watchtowers. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray when you meet. Don't forget because prayer is our biggest weapon Mm. don't forget because prayer gives you discernment i want to read a scripture i'm i I actually didn't get the time to read the scripture but i will the last point is the culture of unabashed and intimate worship worship like david worshipped worship when the sound is good worship when the sound is bad worship when the worship leader is skilled worship when the worship leader is going off tune worship when there is worship happening worship when there is word happening worship when you're meeting your friends after the word has happened don't don't enter church have you have you noticed When you enter church, you see your friend and you want to go say hi to them. And then we are uh, sitting and catching up on all the things that happened over the last one week, just before service is starting. Don't do that. I'm teaching you. I hope I have the liberty to teach you that. The minute you open the door and you come in, now there it will be a sanctuary. So nobody's going to know what you're doing in that one corner. You're sitting with your friend chit-chatting about which was the best coffee shop you found and you know where you got your clothes from, all of that. Nobody is going to know. But don't make that the culture. The minute you enter through that door, you are in a sanctuary of God's presence. Before you come in, it says, enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter. You don't even put your foot inside the sanctuary. Before that, you are thankful. You have, you have your word that God encouraged you with the morning. And you are carrying an offering because you're meeting the king. Yeah. King does not walk empty-handed. Yeah. You are a king meeting a king. You always bring a gift for the king. Don't come empty handed, have your offering, have your Bible, wear the best clothes, have, have prayed already, you know, this is, this is a, um, sometimes when we are in the hospital, how, how do we enter the hospital, you know, like we don't, our health is falling apart, our teeth are falling apart, we are, we've got that big gash and we are, emergency doctor, emergency, sometimes we come into church like that because saturday night got drunk now there's a splitting headache hangover emergency pastor emergency i want to meet that may be how we have done church from our previous life the culture of this church is that we are the nurses and the doctors will you go to a doctor who has a big gash on his forehead and is hang hung over and does not know his thing. No. There will be people who will come in like that. There will be people who will... You will find people who will... who are going to come in our church who will be homosexuals. Who will be eunuchs. Who will be everything that you are against. Don't become like them you are the doctor yeah. Yeah. you are the king yeah. they come into the church to be healthy and whole like us yeah. Yeah. you can't treat them if you start yeah. hating them yeah. you can't <coughs> treat them if you point at their mistakes and say "Tum kahan the, itni mm-hmm. no. you Itni no you love them yeah. don't love their problems Don't love their issues. Love them. See the image of God in them. See everything that the devil has spoilt and destroyed in them. And speak and decree on that. We are a church with a big mandate. Don't hate on people who are different than you. They look different. They talk different. uh eat different, their food is different. Some people may eat beja fry. Don't hate on them. Yes.
1: Amen.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate beja fry. <laughs> we are gearing up for something huge something different we see different and we get we get cautious we start hating we dislike something that's not looking like us right we we are going into a land of giants nothing like us so don't forget the culture of prayer and gatekeeping and don't forget the culture of unabashed and intimate worship our worship is intimate, forget when you worship and you add the element of keyboard is a distraction every time you worship and you add mics and backup singers is a distraction then on top of that, you're putting lights also. Gone. Yeah, so, worship. Every element that you add to worship is going to be a distraction. But our job is not to point at the distraction and get distracted. Our job is to eliminate that in our mind and still worship. Amen. Because now we have place to wave banners. The ceiling is high with a capital H. <laughs> we couldn't, we, we, we so desired to do banners in this church, we couldn't because it will go and hit. God is expanding us yeah. we'll have so much space that we can wave banners we will have dancers yeah. the stage is going to be so huge One. Worship leader will not even be seen. That's how big the stage is. It's going to be so amazing. But it's going to be so distracting. What do we do? Worship. Because our eyes are not on the lights and the screen behind and the color of the carpet and what the worship leader is going to wear. and. Which drummer is on, which drums, which drums because we might have many drums, no? (laughs) Did you see our keyboard? (laughs) So, we worship because our culture is a culture of worship. Seeing us, anybody who is coming in should worship. You may be in the front seat, don't worship because the camera is right in front. Worship because you are right at the back and nobody can see you. The backside has been given to the kids to make a
1: mess.
0: (laughs) There are two rooms that we have, three rooms now, we have three rooms where you can take the kids and make a ruckus. Kids deserve to be free and they deserve to be part of worship they will make noise because that's how kids are i love them to be themselves if anything look at how they worship and you start worshiping like them so we will have kids area and we will have different classrooms and like i said you can serve the man of god or you can serve the children in the church of the man of god children's ministry is one of the least appreciated most hardworking, <laughs> lot of effort it takes to get those little ones to sit down. But if you can take time to say, What can I do? Can I get snacks for you? Can I get snacks for the kids this Sunday? Can I uh, help you with uh, managing the one that is running away all the time? Can I. <laughs> Don't put a leash on them. Can I just be around? Let him run. It's okay. He doesn't want to be in class. That's not his fault. Let him run we should make it more interesting because that child will come one day or the other he'll come but he shouldn't come because he fears my mama is going to whack me up when I go back he should come because he experiences the presence of God even in kids worship even in kids church how can you make it easy for these people who are handling the kids and it's one of the most important don't, don't ever look down on our kids you see them you see them worship unambassioned is from them, you will learn from them, intimate they will learn from you (coughs) quickly let's go to Ezra chapter 4 verse 2 can I have Ezra chapter 4 verse 2 on the screen please Because when we were, when I was asking God and he just said this can be a word of caution. Okay, they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since. King of Assyria brought us here. Okay, next verse. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua and the other leaders of Israel replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. You start this verse with a they. Who is the they in question? They, it, it starts with, uh, they, it's saying that they came and said, let us build along with you because we worship the same God. Let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. And it says, so they approached. Who is they here? If you read back in, uh, in the chapters Ezra 3, Ezra 4, you will see that um, Ezra... And Zerubbabel, okay, the Zerubbabel was, or the 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 whole clan of Israel, or the whole tribe of Israel, had come back to saying that we, because they had, they were coming back from their exile. They were they were sent to exile, and now slowly they were coming back, and they wanted to rebuild the temple of Solomon. Anybody knows about the temple of Solomon? The temple of Solomon was built by king solomon king david wanted to build it but he did not get the permission from god to build it so he sent his son and the son king solomon he built a temple that was grand it was uh it was beautiful and there were there were sacrifices and processions when that temple was built and um, you know when When Israel still lived in disobedience, God allowed um, rulers, Persian rulers, Assyrian kings, to come and take over them. And in the process, what had happened was Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple and taken all the things, all the instruments, all the vessels that were there in the temple. And now the temple lay in ruins. And this is the time when the exiles after many years of being slaves are coming back and their cry is one that they want to rebuild this temple and so they are planning to rebuild the temple and by then what had happened was that the governors there and the kings previous to that they were all in agreement with the fact that okay israel should now have their own Temple that is just pure favour and so they are going to start working on the temple but if you know the story of Esther because the same king, King Ahasuerus okay it's around that time you remember the story of Esther there was Haman and there was a group of people who hated the Israelites and they would always rile up the king also during the time of Daniel You know, how there was always, the minute they see a Jew guy, they they had a problem. So these guys will come and tell the king, listen, if you allow them to get established, they will be a problem, they will be like smoke in your nose, in your nostrils, they will be like a constant pain. They will be a, a thorn to your side they will they, these guys were always trying to um, you know like always trying to escalate the matter to the king and always trying to turn the king's heart against the Israelites and against their plans of building their wall. who was building the wall in the in the Old Testament Nehemiah, Nehemiah. even we, ha- we you also see how mordecai. He, he gets all these people to start praying because there was a direct attack that was coming against the Jews because the king had given a decree to kill all these Jews. Okay? So you will see in, in, in that time, in a, in a time like that, you see Ezra, you see um, Zerubbabel, and you see these leaders who are, go, who are wanting to go and rebuild the temple. But there are a bunch of mischief makers. And there are a bunch of outsiders who are not very happy with this tribe of Israelites, these tribe of people who are worshippers of God. And this is the caution that is given to you today. It says, when these people approach, now they tried to first instigate the king against the israelites the king being a man of wisdom he said let me check history records because the one thing that they said was that our previous kings had allowed us to build this temple so why are you stopping us so this king he went back and he said i want to see the history books and i'm going to learn from there and see if this actually happened and he found out that yes the previous kings had allowed the israelites to build a temple rebuild their temple so when these people the enemies or these uh sly people who hate on the israelites so much and who don't want their idea to prosper who don't want their presence to flourish because israelites as a tribe you know today if you go to israel there's a thing called the Aerodome. so when neighbouring countries, I'm talking about in today's uh, time, if you go to the land of Israel, uh, there, are palace, there, there is Palestine on one side, there are you know, your neighbouring countries on the other side. There's, uh, I think one, one time the Hamas was trying to send missiles. Now, every time there is a missile that goes from here, from, from their borders into um, Israel, there is an interception device that immediately brings it down, and there are times when they say we did not intercept this missile, wow. yeah. but the missile has not landed in, in the land of Israel oh, yeah. Yeah. because above the aerodome there is God. Oh. This yeah. is the. This is a tribe of people that have been blessed and provided and prospered for by God. It's a chosen tribe. It's a chosen land. And so, when you have that kind of a covering, they try to do other things in this sly. You know, they try to st- send a spy, they try to discreetly invade, they make those inroads, they dug holes and they make tunnels and they try to enter the land to bring down. So, when something is so obviously blessed and obviously (coughs) prospering, and when that is our identity, there will be a group, and I'm preparing you for this, there will be Opposition. There will be, now we are on the third floor and we are so protected. Our glasses also tinted and uh, you know, frosted. Nobody sees, nobody hears what's going on here. Now we're going to be on the ground floor. And we have the whole world as our audience. And they are seeing how we are prospering. How They are seeing how we are being set on a pedestal. They are seeing how we are... Given authority. They are seeing how we are protected. And that's why we spoke about the culture not getting mixed up. Because now you will see opposition. If you thought that your job being at odd hours was opposition, there was the enemy fighting you, <laughs> <laughs> gear up. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you experienced till now. In Malayalam, we call it jujubi.
1: It's
0: all Chuma. Those were not your real problems. Now you will see opposition. And opposition that does not stand with, um, you know, with two horns, red in color, with little tail. No! An opposition that calls itself morning light the same name that was given to Jesus. It'll look like us. It'll talk like us. It'll say, we are serving the same God as you are. So there will be coming and a kind of opposition that will be best friends with you. That will look so nice that you are The person you did life with 10 years in this church will start looking like an enemy. Let us build with you, they'll say. Let us do life with you. Let us worship with you. And then they will put that seed of doubt. This scripture, you go back and read. Please read this scripture when you go back. Because that group of people who were troublemakers and who did not want the temple to be built came and said, Let us build. They tried their best first by going to higher authorities. They went to the kings, they went to the governors. When they saw that nothing of that was helping, they said, Let me dig a tunnel into the church. And they came to these people and they said, let us build with you. It says, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. Wow, that's called deception. And the only deceiver you see in the Bible is the enemy, the devil. For everything that God has made, there is a counterfeit. There is a fake. Because he'll say, I want to worship God just as you do. You are worshipping God alright. He now wants to build with you because he worships just like you. Which means that when you cry, he's also crying. When you're prostrate, he's also prostrate on the floor. And when he, you are giving, he's also giving. When you are serving, he's also serving the man of God. In fact, he's one step ahead of you. When you reach, you saw he's already there. (laughs) And now you see him carrying his pastor's Bible. But don't build with them. Because the culture of the church is carried by you. The culture that God wants to implant in us is carried by you. And so they'll ask, why prayer today? Youths meeting, no? Do you know how youths are? They are very different. They don't like prayer. They like, see, you can evangelize them by taking them to a burger place. I know a good burger place. And then when you come in with thanksgiving and when you're entering the threshold of the church, you have your offering with you and, you know, you come in and they say, bro, come tell me about your week. Tell me how good God was. Do you know this sister has a prayer request? Let me spill the tea in the name of prayer request. Gossip, 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 gossip. Did you know the Christian version of gossip is called prayer request? I'm only telling this to you so that you can pray about it. Did she tell you about it? No, no. Then why are you telling? No, no, but I had this burden in my heart to pray for it. This burden I want to share with you. (laughs) Suddenly (laughs) suddenly the whole church 500 people burdened with the same burden. (laughs) The sister only spoke to one person. (laughs) Don't build with them. We are a church of blacks and browns and milkies and we can't be whites no we can't be completely <laughs> whites <laughs> suddenly they'll ask why brown why can't we just like all the you know all the hazelnuts stay together <laughs> all the mocha browns stay together all the dark roast browns stay together why are you going to them are you talking to them they don't even talk like us did you know don't build with them don't build with the ones who say do you know who i am The ones who, who are entitled. Yes. The ones who who say, I know guitar better than you. Yes, but I know worship better than you. Yes. <laughs> Don't submit yourself to the foxes in the garden. Why am I saying this? It's because there will be people who will know Bible better than you. They will know stories from the Bible better than you, and they will say, "But this teaching, Pastor said this." I don't think that's how it is. See, I'll tell you from the Bible, and they'll take you some obscure uh, sentence, verse in the Bible, and they'll start teaching you, and they'll say, "Brother." You come to my meeting in the house. I have a meeting in the house. Come for that. Don't build with those people. Can I give you a word of caution? I am saying things as I am thinking of them. I don't know because I am not part of the council team. I am not part of, uh, you can ask, you can ask everybody. I'm not part of the prayer team. I don't know information about you that I can use against you. I don't know. I don't receive calls unless, you know, I know the reason why you're calling me. I don't receive calls. I don't know stories about you. So if you think I'm personally attacking anybody, please know, I don't know any story that you think I'm holding against you. I don't know. I am saying it because I prayed and that verse came. So, if you are feeling attacked, A. Rectify, (laughs) B. I am not attacking anybody, unless I look people in the eye and say, I also like beef, biryani and beja fry. I am not speaking to that person. Okay, I'm just making eye contact. Don't feel personally attacked. I don't know stories. I have three kids (laughs) to manage. (laughs) I don't have the mind space for more stories. I can tell you stories after stories about them. But no, I am not attacking anybody here. I don't know why people are saying, yay, amen, yes. Probably the soul is getting... (laughs) (laughs) they are getting validated at some place it's the God's doing it's not mine so don't build with them don't build with people who will make you doubt what your prophet has spoken over you what the pastor is learning and teaching (laughs) 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 don't Build with people who will make you doubt the encounters that they've had. Because, because we have been given this beautiful thing called access. Okay, don't take it for granted. But if you have a doubt, if you have a problem, make sure that you are exposing it to your man and woman of God. And that is why we have cell group meetings. We call it anchor group meetings. Anchor. Anchoring, you know, you know where the anchor is laid, it's laid by a huge ship, only big ships that are carrying important things that are on the waves. If you leave the ship, it will be carried by the waves. But you need it to be anchored. So it's not just going with the motions of life. You are anchored. That's why we have anchor group meetings. So when you become a big church, bring that friend who is asking you, why is pastor saying this? Anchor group meetings. That's a small group. You get to disciple them. You get to speak to them. You get to show life to them. Don't run away with them and start building your own theories Don't build with those people. We, this is how they look like. They say that we worship your God just as you do. There is a verse in Song of Solomon. I'll read it for you. You don't have to go there. It says Song of Solomon's is a whole b- a book written about lovers. You know, they are talking, a lover. They say the main character is Solomon himself. And this is a a story between a a lover and his beloved. Okay. And they are talking about a garden that is set. And they say, this is Song of Solomon's, Songs of Solomon, 2 verse 15. It says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. Our vineyards are in blossom right now. It is our job to make sure that we identify the foxes. Catch those foxes. And make sure that nobody is spoiling our vineyard. Our guards have to be so high. We have to be... Innocent like doves, but shrewd like serpents. Innocent like doves, but shrewd like serpents. The serpent, it can taste the air and tell you where is the prey. So before we become the prey, we have to take down the prey. You have to taste the air and figure out You have to be so high in your discerning that in your loving you don't get carried away. You love on them. You love on every person who comes in. There will be people who will be going through depression. There will be people who will be having mental health issues. There will be people... We are also putting a ramp for people with wheelchairs and elderly people. We have toilets that are equipped to handle uh, people who would need assistance. Because we are saying, everybody is going to come. Everybody is going to be here. You learn to serve and love, but learn to discern. Learn to identify the voice that comes in the garden and says, Did God really tell you? And the funny thing is, everybody has time to blame Eve, if Eve had not eaten that fruit. Only if this woman would have heard. Only if she would have... (laughs) Eve, 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 all the problem is Eve. Do you know, Adam was right with her? Don't get me started on that. Yes, Eve heard the voice of the enemy. What were you doing, Adam? (laughs) The sisters are all getting (laughs) charged up today. Two o'clock, two o'clock, two (laughs) o'clock. Lord, help me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When God spoke, yesterday, Apostle shared that word. When God spoke, he spoke to it was Adam's job to have taught Eve to discern the word, to discern the voice. All the men, married men in the house. It is your job to guard and work the garden of this garden called family. And it is your job now, I'm talking collectively to all of you, it is your job to work and tend and guard your garden called church. Discern the voice that comes. Don't get carried away. Don't build with people who may worship with, with their words, they are saying that, no, we have the same culture like you. But you are the carriers and the guardians of that culture. When you move to the new hall, you're only getting bigger. But you guys have to be the same. You guys have to take that same culture that you carry in this church, and establish it. We've been given a place to establish, to put our foot down. You know, when you go into moon, the guy who reaches first gets to place his flag and say US was here. And you'll see their flag. We have to go there and take our banner and establish it there because we are there and when I say we, that is such a deep word the we that God has formed and refined and reformed over 10 years over 11 years of our existence we are only in passing and we are going to be established there and so make sure that your mind is renewed Make sure that your words are renewed. Make sure that you are identifying yourselves as priests and kings. That you live like that. That you walk like that. And the culture of prayer, the culture of worship, the culture of honor, submission, of giving, of serving, of the kind of words that you use, Make sure that there is not going to be uh, uh, another river that will flow and mix up this water. Be like oil. That oil that, that no water can mix. Float on top. Let all the muck flow down. All the dirt will settle, but you will be on top pray. Can you please rise up and join with me in thanking God and saying, Lord, we are grateful. We are, we are so blessed. We are so grateful. We are, we are blessed. We are blessed. Thank you for, thank you for expanding our boundaries, Lord. Thank you for, for making us achieve what our human minds could not fathom could not think of thank you for giving us for for giving us the 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 kind of things that even our faith had not seen lord so we are grateful and our praise and our worship is not going to change small hall big hall good lights no lights Wherever we will be, we will be known as a church that is near to you, Lord. Your nearness. Your nearness, Lord. Your nearness. Oh, we are His nearness, people. We are the the tribe that, that holds His presence, hosts His presence. His nearness is our greatness yes. and just one last verse if i could read it for you and i want that to be on the screen it's from ezra chapter 6 verse 14 and i want all of you to read it with me ezra chapter six okay can we all read it together one two three and the elders of the jews built pers- I want you to read it again. And the elders of the Jews built, pause, built and prospered through what? Through the fact that there were prophets. Through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. They prospered, they built and prospered because of prophets who spoke over them. We are not building and prospering because man could do it in his his own ability. We are building and we are prospering because there is a covering over us. And there are prophets. There is a prophet and a prophetess who is decreeing over us, who is declaring because we are kings. And not even a king passes decrees without their counsel, without the prophet. The king does not speak without the prophet and so we are going to build and we are going to prosper because there are prophets and now we have to pray right now we don't have uh, A governor in our church right now we don't have political leaders in our church but the promise is that they are coming so you are going to go out you are going to expand and and do something prophetic do something that is going to make you believe that when I move out of this place we will have people of power in our church serving the kingdom and making it possible that when we decree and declare, it will happen overnight. Thank you for joining us this day to worship and to hear the voice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May you continue to flourish in all your endeavors as you work closely with Him. Have a great week and Shalom.